0: Greetings, all, and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Queston Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. On this episode, we'll be doing our periodic technocracy discussion. Technocracy, uh, for people who read our content on the site, will know uh, that that's our tech vertical. It's been a long time since we had a tech conversation. There's a lot going on in the tech world. So we wanted to gather a meeting of the minds to try and unpack a little bit of what the future might hold for us, um, whether that's good or bad um so we'll be doing some future predicting and it brings to the show today min lee for the first time ever on the show an old friend someone that we've collaborated with for
1: a very very long time it's good to have you here min thanks for coming on yeah glad to be here i'll let you know what i what little i know about it everything (laughs)
0: thanks (laughs) thanks we could use that as the margin call you know tagline like what little we know about everything that yeah
2: yeah it took us two years to finally figure that out see how now do we actually people know? can say
0: what is margin call we can say well it's what little we know about everything <laughs> you're in good company man awesome. uh and of course with us as always our fearless leader our producer eming Sai who keeps us sounding good how are you doing
2: i'm sleepy how are you? It's an honest answer. I appreciate it. You well,
0: know, you did run a 15K. I mean, I don't want to put you on blast, I but I, I am very impressed no, by that. Both fine. of you guys actually ran a 15K. I did well, not do that.
2: It was, it was funny. There was this woman at the very end, because we were at the end of the race, and there was this woman, um, and she was like the person that if, you, if, if she passes you, you get swept and i was like panicking because i've had experiences with run disney where like the balloon ladies are like the ones you have to like not like fall behind mm. so i was like nervous i was like we're only on mile four or five like you're gonna sweep me in the middle of this race and so like min did this thing where he would run ahead and like beckon me forward and then i to him and, and, and then he'd run faster. I was like, you asshole, you just lift me again. It's like
0: the carrot and <laughs> the a carrot. stick. Yeah, that's a good motivator. He's like a trainer, no. you know?
2: It like hurt. when Rocky is oh, training and they're
0: like riding a bike in front of him. You know what I mean? That's the kind of motivation you need. You mm, make a good run team. Well, I'm impressed because no. I didn't do anything like that today. So Yeah, you uh, ate
2: donuts. Congratulations. <laughs>
0: I didn't. It, it had been a while. I have a lot of strict donut rules and I broke them today. So. <laughs>
2: Donut rules? Okay. Donut That's rules. We could do a whole
0: episode about my donut rules and my or weird food. dietary. We should do
2: a food episode. Mm.
0: We should do a food episode. Hmm. I'm intrigued. Next week, mm. food. And we'll start with my donut rules because they're really intricate.
2: <laughs> Stay tuned for next week. <laughs> donuts with Russell.
0: Donut rules. Yeah. <laughs> what well, little I know. Actually, that is a subject I know a lot about. <laughs> little I know uh, about
2: donuts and carbs.
0: Rare expertise about donuts. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's start with the Consumer Electronics Show. Um, you guys can check out on the site. Min Lee wrote a pretty thoughtful and insightful summary uh, of this year's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Uh, it's broken into a few different sections, so we'll just kind of go over what you've covered here. Um but first of all i did not know that you followed these things close enough that you were like looking like after the consumer Electronics show you're like looking online to find out the latest like how much is this event like a part of your life and a big deal for you just like the super bowl
1: of electronics what how, how big um, a deal is it man i i think uh i mean i just get a lot of this stuff on my news feed and uh I'm always looking to improve what I have, uh, you know. As far as like you know, cameras, I'm, i I I do videography and photography, so I'm always trying to make sure I have the latest and greatest gear. So, you know, I, I stay on top of, of what's going on. Um, don't always buy into everything. I'm very skeptical of a lot of things that are coming out, and, and CES is you know is an uh, introduction of a lot of what's to come in the year, and then a lot of times things don't make it or it doesn't really deliver on the promises so um, yeah there's a lot to be hopeful about but uh, it it, you know it's, it's more like what we might be seeing this year right so you start off the piece talking about computing uh,
0: and going a little bit into Chromebooks and how Chromebooks been gaining traction. Um, uh, and I guess you're saying like mainly in the education sector because the prices are lower, which I've actually noticed. Chromebook seems like something that should fill a void just because like most other consumer laptops are so expensive. But they, ha- they don't seem to have gained that much traction. What do you think is changing or what are they introducing this year that makes it look like Chromebook might have a shot?
1: Yeah, I think it's growing and it's growing rapidly. Um, you know, I am an Android user and, you know, it's obviously owned by Google. It's, uh, it's uh, Android is also owned by Google. So uh, the, the compatibility, the ability to run Android apps, that's what's really making me intrigued in trying out Chromebook. You know, uh, you know I've been a Mac user. I've been a Windows user. There's a lot of frustration with both and uh, uh, always looking for another alternative. And the fact that they're finally... You know, trying to branch out beyond the uh, the educational sector to actually making a premium device for people to to purchase as a personal laptop, I think that's uh that's really what's going to make the push. Um, there's still a lot of speed bumps ahead. There's some uh, shortfalls, like you know, it can't really and co4k video um you know there are ways but it requires jumping through a lot of hoops like if you want to do 4k video you have to do it on the cloud upload everything and it's uh it's just doesn't look like it's quite ready to match pcs or apple in that respect but there are you know for basic computing needs i think it's actually a pretty good deal um a lot of them are you know so cheap that you know might be worth picking up a third device if if uh if that's what works for you, have you used a Chromebook before? Do you have a Chromebook? I messed around with it, and I was very tempted to pick up um, the Google Slate last year. Um, it, it, it's one of the more advanced ones. It has pretty high specs, and it it um, it came in at a pretty high price, and it's finally starting to to drop recently. And uh, you know. I've messed around with it. It looks very intuitive and easy to use. Um, doesn't quite meet my professional needs, so it won't be my primary machine. So I'm just waiting for it to get to that point where it can replace my my primary machine. What is your,
0: like, reasoning for your loyalty to Android and being an Android user? My brother's the same way. I know a lot of people
1: who are like that. I'm lazy, so I just use Apple products for everything. Like, what do you like about Android in general? Um, if I've just been using Android for a really long time, so I have my setup, like I have certain apps that I know that I'm used to. Yeah. Um, I like the the level of customization. I mean, if you want something to be easy, basic, uh, works well in the ecosystem, Apple's the way to go. If you want to really mess with everything and and you know, uh, customize every little detail, uh, the ability to have have widgets, um, you know, my my homepage on my Android phone doesn't really have a whole lot of apps on there. It's all just information. So, you know, my calendar, everything is like readily visible um, and I, I can access everything easily. Right, yeah. My brother is always telling me he's like, "Oh, I don't like
0: using Apple products because they force you, like they they do everything for you." You know what I mean? You don't right. have like a. And I'm like, well, exactly. I don't want to have to deal with any of that. You know what I mean? Like it kind of makes he's making my argument for me, basically. There,
1: there's also a couple of hardware things too. Like when a- Android first started, uh, you know they have um, a SD, a um, uh, micro SD card slot, which some of them still have. They're finally cutting out uh, of a lot of the machines, um, right. and uh, they have a. Uh, removable battery which is most most of them are doing away with that but those were like things that were kind of important to me um i guess now the next thing to go is is headphone jacks um and you know it's starting obviously wherever apple does the the rest of the industry follows (laughs) uh yeah so um yes but but, uh those were a lot of the things that initially draw me to uh android and i I really hope actually bring back some of those things because I, I i feel like the the whole apple iphone the design the candy bar design um it's just getting really old and this year we're finally seeing something interesting there's also the razor that you know the flip phone they're bringing yeah. back like, with the touch oh, <laughs> tell, tell me more
0: tell, tell me more tell hell, me more hell, i was hell. i was such a razor loyalist I, I i was the man when i had a razor so to, how are they trying to reimagine the razor and does that also mean that motorola is in a bid to be relevant again
1: Uh, Maybe Motorola has had some interesting devices, Um, but I I think again, uh, I mentioned briefly in the article the the foldable displays. I didn't mention that device specifically, but uh, you know, it's it's because everybody's trying to do folding displays, that's what they're trying to do with the razor. So you can actually fold out and be, you know, a a kind of uh, long screen, but then it folds down to maybe half the size of a regular phone that you used to so you're so help me to visualize this because i did see that in the piece
0: right so you're saying a foldable screen you it'll be like a, a flip phone like a razor but when you open it up there's no hinge that interrupts it right so it's kind of a continuous screen is that right
1: there there. you will see maybe a little bit of a crease from what i've been hearing you know like if you if you uh you know, if it's not folded completely flat, you will definitely see like a bit of a crease. But when you fold it flat and, uh, you know, if, if the light is not hitting it at a certain angle or if you're staring straight at it, the, the seam is pretty much uh, barely visible. It's not really noticeable.
0: And does the razor, again, I'm very interested in this. Does it look like the old ra- the razor, the razor that we know and love from whatever, you know, 2005 or whatever?
1: I would say it's pretty true to the original Razor. Obviously it's had, I think it's a it's a beautiful looking refresh. Um I think it, it's a good update. Uh I mean I would like to see this product success. I had a razor and I loved it as well. Um, you know, if if money is no object, I mean obviously it's gonna be like a premium device, but if money is no object, I think I would I would consider that. Yeah. Was that something that was
0: introduced at Consumer Electronics Show or has that been out for a while or um, people talking you know, about I, it?
1: there's there's talks about it before the Consumer Electronics Show um i don't remember if, if, if i didn't really check what roller, roller was presenting um uh, if that was on display or not but that, that was definitely something to talk and also i should mention that um you know consumer electronics is very general so the big event for mobile devices for phones is going to be ifa and berlin i'm, I'm maybe IFA is not the right one i'm not maybe I'm, i got I'm getting these mixed though. i should have fact checked before berlin, me there's um,
2: new york and there's one other one right
1: yeah, Mobile World Congress is what I'm thinking about. That's the one in Barcelona. Oh, okay. World Congress, okay. that's in that's okay. Barcelona. That's uh, February 24th
0: to 27th. Um, so you talk a lot in here about uh, dual screen devices. Is that similar to what we've been talking about? What's What constitutes a dual screen device?
1: Well, there's a couple of different kinds. Uh, last fall um, – Microsoft introduced uh, well, uh, the they introduced a concept the Microsoft dual and it's basically it' folds out like a book, um, but there's a clear hinge in the middle and there's basically a screen on bo- both sides. And some some um, manufacturers are ad- adopting that. Um, Dell has one that's like that it, it's, except for uh, I think um, the Microsoft dual is more like sketchbook size. Um, whereas the the Dell uh, the Dell device is is actually more of like a, a PC uh, a laptop that you bring, and you know they will have a uh, a a virtual keyboard on the bottom half when you open it up like a clamshell, and then the other half will be a display. And, and you know because it's it's so much bigger, you you know you you still have like an extra half screen on on one side of it.
0: Oh right! Oh, because the keyboard doesn't take up the entire, yeah, portion of the screen. That makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah and that's also been attempted previously too. Uh, Lenovo had a different had, had another device the previous year uh, where they had a again an e ink display on the bottom half, and uh, that's also a virtual keyboard, and and then they have a regular display on the on the where the normal display is.
0: Is that the, the Lenovo device? Is that the ThinkBook Plus, or is that a different? device because uh, no, i'm
1: talking about a previous device that oh, had okay. a, so the previous year they had a, a a e-ink where the keyboard traditionally goes this year they had a e-ink display on the back of the, the regular display so that you close it up and use it as an e-book. so they've been experimenting with different um e-ink displays um and i think they actually might have uh i think they, they were they were purchased some e-ink companies, which explains why they are so into that. Right.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned it because I definitely wanted to talk about e-ink. You gave me a little bit of an overview uh, before the show, but can you talk a little bit about what e-ink is and how it's being used?
1: Yeah. So um, e-ink is the display that's used on like the Kindle. Um, It's meant for e-readers, mostly for books. Uh, Traditionally, it's mostly been used just for reading books and not much else um it had it's only been, it been able to do black and white and has a much slower re- refresh rate um so you can't really use it for watching videos or doing anything like that um you can only you know if you only need to turn a turn a page every once in a while then it's fine um but now they're really starting to push to uh, to have Color e-ink displays, as well as um, as well as displays that can can do other things like actually browse the web and and you know maybe even play some video. Um, but I think that's that's really int- interesting to me because you know I spent a lot of time in front of a computer and you know I feel the strain on my eyes. So what well, the the other thing that's great about e-ink is it doesn't have a backlight, so you don't your eyes don't get as tired looking at it a long time. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping that becomes a uh, next big thing. I don't think it will because I feel like consumers are still uh, gravitating towards the brightest, shiniest screen and th- that's not what it's going to be. It's, it's going to be, you know, rather dull in comparison, but I think the the health benefits to your eyes is worth it. Are those uh,
0: like, you know, avoiding that kind of eye strain, is that the main advantage of e-ink or are there other things that e-ink is good for? Like
1: There are other advantages. It's It's um, much better battery life because it only draws power when the display changes. Um, so, you know, if, if it dies and you still had a page on, that page will stay on indefinitely. Uh, you can use it for maps and other things, you know, where you don't need to change it all the time. Um, but here's the thing. Traditionally, E-Ink has a very low refresh rate. And if you're refreshing it more often to, to, say, draw something, to watch a video, or to, to browse the web, you know, I feel like that will take an impact on battery life. But we don't, we don't really know what it's going to be like yet until these devices become readily available and gets in the hands of reviewers. Right. you talked about um, mobile devices or
0: E-Ink being used for mobile devices. Um, So how does that work? Does that mean like your keyboard would be E-Ink or I mean, you obviously couldn't use it for like FaceTime and stuff like that. But what other applications would E-Ink have for a mobile phone?
1: Yeah, so uh, Lenovo had a uh, previous year, they had a device that had an e-ink on the bottom half of the display, as I mentioned. So that that was used as a keyboard. This year at CES, they had one where it's on the back of the display. So that can be used as as an e-reader when it's closed. Um, And that's also been something that's been uh, tried by a couple of different filmmakers where they have a a regular display on one side and an e-ink display on the back. So you can use it to use the regular displays to watch a video and then you can use the e-ink to read a book um they also use that in order to uh so when you take a selfie you could use the e-ink display to see what is what what you look like oh, oh right no, for preview no, um yeah yeah i'm trying to figure out which side you will be looking but yeah you can since it has a screen on both sides you can see what it looks like um and you know many phone manufacturers has been figuring out ways to make the, the bezel smaller and they're trying to figure out you know, what are they gonna, what are what they going to do with the front camera, right? If you make the display bigger, where's the front camera going to go? So if you had another display in the back, you don't need a front camera. You could just have one in the back. Right. Uh, I encourage everybody listening to check out Min's uh, story
0: on the site just because he goes into much more detail. Uh, and he also includes memes or at least one meme. Uh, and this one, <laughs> I just want to—you can look at it yourself. But I love seeing Fry in any context. But uh, we have the "Shut Up and Take My Money" uh, Fry meme from Futurama, and that was your response to uh, the introduction of of the new uses for e-ink. You're you're
1: in. You're all in. Uh, color e-ink. If, if it if it delivers on its promise, I, I would be I would be one of the first people to jump on that. Right
0: um so you also talk a lot about uh wearables and hearables um and also you mentioned something i did not know which is that apple is not at the consumer electronics show do you know why that is by the way
1: they never are right yeah that's what i mean that was news to me yeah apple has their i mean apple introduces things on their own Right. I no agenda, so they, they they don't they don't need to follow where the market is. They they lead. Um, so yeah, they 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 never been a. I mean, that there, there might have been Apple accessory manufacturers there, right. but right. Uh, you know, Apple itself does not have a huge presence. Right. Uh,
0: so in that section, you mentioned the Wythings, uh Scan Watch, right? That you said you were interested because it can cl- it claims to detect sleep apnea. Do you know how it does that, or whether it's effective? Or
1: yeah, you know that that is new in the Swatch smartwatch um, uh, area and. In- you know we don't we don't know again it's, it's it's making some interesting claims and uh you know we'll have to kind of wait and see uh it, and it also needs to pass um you know FDA and consumer electronics certification so you know we have to it has to pass all of those certifications and then we'll see see the the item hit the market and and see if it works and live up to to the expectations but i mean it, it, it seems like it could be a huge thing a lot of people that have sleep apnea might not even know that they have it so That could be pretty important.
0: Yeah. Uh, You mentioned something on here, a device called the Ear Micro that claims to be the smallest in the true wireless earbud category. How small are we talking about? Is this like, of course, what I thought, and I mean, you'll appreciate this, was the episode of The Office when uh, (laughs) Jim and Pam stay on the phone 24 hours. Oh, the tiniest,
2: the tiniest. Yeah.
0: (laughs) the tiniest bluetooth that just like goes all the way into your ear canal i assumed it was fictional at the time but i figured it would only be an amount of time before we had something that was undetectable how small is the is the ear microbe
1: um on their website they have a picture of it next to a penny so it's comparable to the size of a penny um and, and you know the the um, true wireless earbud market is growing so fast. They have a bunch of different ones and there's a lot of cheap manufacturers that make these big bulky ones that stick out of your ear. Yeah. And obviously Apple has the one with the long antenna. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of them are actually pretty small as it is. So so I don't know if the small size saving is that critical. Um, but, you know, it's always interesting when, when they could minimize something that's already very advanced in terms of technology. Do you use wireless headphones as it is or wireless earbuds? Yeah, that's I actually, a
2: whole, I, that's a whole discussion. That's, I, that's, a whole why, I'm asking. Discussion. that's
1: why I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we could have a whole discussion on that. I bought into the first, uh, wireless earbud manufacturer. That's the braggy dash. Um, they started, they did that on a Kickstarter in about, I think, 2014. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they they launched the whole the whole uh, category. Um, they're no longer in the uh, manufacturing business now. They're focusing on the software side, and uh, so the that particular year, but that you guys talk, talking about earlier uh, actually partners with Raggy. Um and uh, yeah, I I think uh, yeah, they, I was really excited about that when it happened, when they finally have um, to have – I just hate wires in general. So many times I get snagged on wires. So when that actually came about, it was a huge relief. Um, Yeah, I I just think – I actually started getting into wireless earbuds maybe in like 2008 before when it was still – you know, you still have one wire attaching to two pieces. And the reason I got into that is because I'm always tethered to a camera when I'm doing video stuff. And so many times I try to walk away from the camera and, you know, come pulling the whole thing down. So, yeah, it was a huge relief for me to to finally get into that. So, I'm following that market pretty closely. There hasn't been a whole lot that come out since that really interests me. Um, But, yes, hopefully there will be more. Yeah. Well, you mentioned cameras. I mean, you spent a lot
0: of time on here talking about developments in camera technology. I'm particularly interested in 8K and what 8K means. I mean, I'm, the 4K still seems kind of new to me. uh, And a lot of what people said when 4K first came out is like, you know, some of this picture quality is like better than the human eye or whatever, which I, I thought like, all right, well, I guess we've reached a plateau here. But if they're talking about 8K, I guess, I mean, you never really reach, truly reach a plateau in consumer electronics. But what, is 8K, 8K, and how is it better, or is it a hoax, or what are we talking about?
1: Yeah, 8K is, you know, essentially 8,000 lines of resolution. Um, And, uh, you know, it's, I think eventually it's going to be a thing, but there's no rush for it, in my opinion. Um, And usually, you know, when we went from standard definition to HD, that was a huge jump in image quality. The jump from HD to 4K is less noticeable. And the jump from 4K to 8K, I think it's going to be even less. And uh, I think, you know, right now it's hard, it's hard enough to get 4K content. Um, a lot of people aren't even watching 4K content and they don't really notice or care. Um, HD is quite sufficient. I also sell microstock footage. Um, so, um... So I monitor like what's been selling and a lot of people are still buying HD footage as opposed to 4K footage. Um, So, yeah, I I don't think it's going to be a huge rapid jump to 8K. But of course, the manufacturers of TV and cameras, they're going to push for that because it's the next big thing. And they're always trying to market, you know, the highest number of resolution, highest number of this and that.
0: Yeah. Um, so are there other major takeaways? I mean, it sounds like this is kind of, um, you know, a lot of the developments have tapered off. I think I've noticed that even just from like Apple's um product release there was a time when it was just like oh whatever's gonna come out like this is gonna change the world you know people were gathering around for the next big thing and i think over the past few years it seems like it's kind of tapered off where now it's like some of this progress is incremental there hasn't been like a major paradigm shift (laughs) uh do you think that's a fair assessment of what's going on with consumer electronics and what you saw this year
1: well um I don't think that innovation has stopped. I don't think it's, it's necessarily tapered off either. Like, you know, and back to the cameras a little bit, like while, you know, resolution may not be the most important thing, you know, there's been a lot of other things that's that's in, that's innovative. You know, a lot of the cameras have built in stabilizations that's gotten really good, like all the action cameras. They're super smooth from a, from a very small compact device. Usually the smaller the device, the harder it is to keep a steady shot. Um, and uh, there's other innovations like, you know, um, dynamic range uh, in terms also, um, you know, bit rates, all of that has been improving. And those are the things that are kind of more important that people don't, you know, a lot of times you overlook. And um, I think the other thing that you, you mentioned um, in terms of like Apple, you know, there's the, we, they reached a point of kind of market saturation. You know, everyone's got an iPhone now, um, you know, it might be a few years old, but it still works. So there's less of a need to to upgrade to the next thing. Whereas, you know, previously it's always like, oh, you know, your thing is outdated because, you know, there's, there's not as many and people would be, uh, you know, always looking to upgrade as soon as possible. I don't, I don't think that's necessary now. You, you know, the device that you get is so fast and so good that it, it could last a few years. Right. Yeah, I've been feeling like that, too. You
0: know, you don't need those immediate
1: upgrades. It's almost a
0: justification for, you know, like planned obsolescence. It it used to be like you needed to get something new because so many things had changed. But now phones are so good. I, I haven't had like felt the need to do an upgrade for an iPhone until like, you know, it's broken or dropped in the toilet or something.
1: Yeah, durability is key. I think we also see a lot of, uh, I mean, I think companies are recognizing that. That's why everything is, you know, waterproof or water resistant, Um, which also kind of irks me a little bit because, you know, also in order to make something waterproof, they have to glue the hell out of it and seal everything. So Mm -hmm. it means that, you know, you can't really replace the batteries and, when the battery drains, that's really when something is, is obsolete. I mean, and no, and all these things with rechargeable batteries, they don't last forever. The, the, the battery's going to get weaker and it's not going to hold a charge as well. That's usually when something needs to be replaced. I would like to see waterproof devices um, that you know actually has a removable, va- removable battery. Um, yeah, I think that, that's something that I would like to see change in the industry. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, well,
0: I want to encourage everyone, all of our listeners, to check out Min's story on the site. There's a, There are a lot of links in there, a lot more information. There's a meme, photos, um, and again, a lot of links you can follow to learn more about these products. Min, thanks for coming on to talk about this and break things down for us. I learned a lot tonight. Um, and stick around with us, Min, because e and I have been going back and forth with some story ideas we wanted to discuss Um, so we'll be going over those, uh, now at the end of the show. I want to start with, uh, the mirror. This is something that you sent me, eming, and I had actually heard about it, but I hadn't done much research. Um, but for those who don't know, uh, mirror is a mirror, except it's not just a mirror. It's a fitness device, um, like a home electronic fitness device, uh, where you like work out in front of the mirror, but the mirror is also you know, a screen and you're joined, I guess it's comparable to like a Peloton or something, except that you're looking at yourself as you're working out. Um, You know, somebody pops up leading your workout. It's like trying to simulate basically being in a a workout class in a gym Uh, costs a lot of money. Uh, You have to pay for a subscription. And, uh, but my argument of course is like, if you're paying for a gym membership, this is something that might just even out. But Eming, I want to ask you, as someone who is training to run a marathon and who ran a 15K today, congratulations, by the way. Uh, what was it? Why did you think this was something we needed to talk about? What is your interest in the mirror?
2: Um, well, I've been for, for about five years, I've, I've been running, which doesn't feel like five years, but five years I've been running and I've been um I'm not a big fan of being with like strangers when I'm working out. It's not; it feels awkward. And so this was interesting because I feel like it's they're they're focusing on people who don't want to be around, be around other people, but they still want that experience of like going to the gym, having having someone lead a a a thing. Yeah. And so I just thought it was just it's just like just buy a freaking like um treadmill <laughs> like why why are you a mirror like this i don't know i it just it's just like uh, i don't know it, it does just...
0: remind me a lot of what the peloton revolution is i mean i guess this started with spin classes and there have always been people leading workouts we can go all the way back to you know jazzercise classes of the 80s when everybody was wearing leg warmers right. But having somebody at the front of a class yell at you to push harder, do better, do more, I think probably has a lot to do with human psychology. Because if I'm just at home by myself and I'm feeling if I'm feeling lazy that day, then my crunches aren't going to be as deep as they would be otherwise or if I just wanted to sit down and take a rest and I would just do that because there was no social pressure to keep pushing myself. Right. So when I read about it, I mean, all of these, I was like, well, it's kind of a good idea. I don't think that I would do it necessarily because I think there's value in the social experience also, but it makes mm-hmm. sense, you know? Right.
2: Um, That's also like, just use YouTube. There's many well- fitness people on YouTube who post stuff. Like, that's what I was doing for a little bit. I found this this one thing and I was using it for a little bit and it was helpful. I'm like, this, this is the same thing, but it's free. <laughs> um, isn't, uh, sorry,
1: go ahead. You know, when, when you have like personal trainers, I mean, I, I never had one. Um, isn't the point not just to have someone encourage you and yell at you, but also to kind of, you know, check your form and make sure you're doing that right? Does any of yeah. these devices have that kind of actual interaction with someone or are you just hearing mm-hmm. someone yell at you? I mean, from what I understand, and my apologies to the
0: people who make mirror if I'm wrong about mm-hmm. this, but it's just, you know, like a pre recorded workout with a person. Yeah. A and you're probably just, Peloton thing.
2: you're just mirroring what they're doing. Because literally, yeah. you're, you know? so you're yeah. like, you see it, and you're like, okay, I'm doing this. Like that's, so I don't think there's interaction. If there is, that's super advanced and that's like, that we're would in the be the future now. Yeah, that, that would be a next step. I don't think it does that because Maybe that even if like... you're like
1: exercising with like a friend or something, that you then you could encourage each other or to be, mm-hmm. you know, oh to have god. that kind of social component.
2: Like, like a FaceTime mirror situation.
1: <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's oh my god. That's that's uh, that's something else. I mean, you could already <laughs>
1: FaceTime people with you know whatever Amazon or Facebook portal stuff. So you know, add a add an exercise component. You could probably tell. Alexa to give you some workout routines. Oh yeah, easily.
0: Probably. I mean it's a good it's a good point that you raise man about like cuz part of being in a workout class is someone calling you out, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. slacking a little bit they'll they'll point you out in the back or they'll come around and adjust your form and stuff and that's not something that's happening with Mirror, but you know, a lot of people work out at home. People have always worked out at home. You don't have to have a gym membership. This just seems kind of like a fancier, nicer way to do it. You know, and the way that it's marketed in everything that I've seen is like.
2: It's a class thing.
0: It is. It is. It really Absolutely. is. It's like,
2: can the fanciest person have a mirror? Yes, they yeah. can. Cause they can afford it because they have that Google job or they have that other high paying whatever job and their husband does blah, 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 blah. Like, of course.
0: Or you well, know, the truly fanciest person has a personal trainer who comes to their house and a gym in their house. That's
1: so true. <laughs> well, also, is this part of told. just, is this also just part of the internet of things where like everything we have needs to have be connected to the internet? So now even our mirrors, even our exercise bikes, even though, you know, whatever it is, needs to have a connection. That's a good question. I mean, I wonder if, you know, if you really have this in your house and you use
0: it as a mirror, is there an option where it pops up and it says, like, ooh, not looking too good in the gut today, Russell. Oh, you know what nice. I mean? Like, were, were you eating were you eating donuts in bed this morning <laughs> instead of running a 15K? Because that might be the motivation that people are looking for, although I don't know how many people want that in their house. You know, I think there were electronic scale like there for a long time. I mean, this is like even like pre-digital, but there are electronic scales that would say, like, you know, you've gained X amount of pounds since the last time you weighed in. I don't think that's a component of this, but I agree. I don't, I don't need to robot in everything.
2: I don't know because phones seem to know that I looked at something at a grocery store and then the ad popped up in my, in my feed. I was like, how did you know I looked at this? Like... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I
0: I wonder if Mirror eventually will find a way to like you know while you're taking a breather like sell you something you know what I mean like hey like have, have really Gatorade, like it. Have, have a protein shake you know like I, I noticed you've been wearing the same workout clothes every day you know <laughs> it'll be oh. it's
1: like yet another spy like inviting that's a very a nice shirt by the way Russell yeah oh thank you have you seen <laughs> this? I did not. Yeah, this yeah yeah this... I recognize it oh yeah. it
2: was that of keeper it's, it's,
0: it's the peachy. Uh, which you know I remember very well from my youth, but it has uh Steph Curry. And oh, I didn't even so realize that. Very nice, and uh, wow. uh, Dwight Clark. I believe that's the catch. Yeah. Hey,
1: Emma, you gotta show you gotta show him your uh your iPad cover.
0: What's yeah, your, iPad your iPad cover? Oh, your iPad cover is a Mead composition book. Hold on, open it up. Let me see how it looks.
2: It's just the like on
0: the inside oh so it's just the thin cover i like it. it's a very similar concept to the peachy folder you you guys
1: are coming from the same era
0: yes (laughs) this is these
1: are Uh, generational overlap we have a bunch of millennial (laughs) listeners that probably won't know what the hell you're talking about
0: um yeah i mean i've encountered a lot of people already with this sweatshirt that just don't know uh like a peachy doesn't mean anything you know which was shocking to me welcome
2: to old age russell but that's okay Enjoy your sunrise blunders. sunset
0: <laughs> just one of those guys that talks about things that people don't remember
2: in my day, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> we had a folder and we all had the same folder and we all wrote graffiti on it and we made it look like they were smoking blunts i mean that was part of it you know you had to change you had to like add on to the athletes so it looked like they had like a joint hanging out of their mouth or something I don't know if you guys ever did that, but that was very popular no, the I did not do
2: that. Men, did yeah.
0: <laughs> I did not do that. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to talk about genetically engineered babies real quick before we get out of here. Um, but this is a headline <laughs> yeah, from... So. Bars- well, I mean, this is the kind of stuff I'm really interested in. Where are the human clones? Uh, not that this guy was cloning people, but it was uh, still genetically engineering babies is the first step.
1: I look like a Star
0: but... uh, yeah, we're living in Star Trek. Uh, so the headline, the Buzzfeed headline, is the Chinese scientist who made the first genetically engineered babies is going to prison. Uh, report from China confirms the birth of a third genetically engineered baby in the human experiment that scientists have called both botched and dangerous. Uh, so it was a Chinese court that sentenced him. Uh, he's a biomedical scientist uh, and two other people to prison on Monday for what they called illegal medical practice for genetically engineering three babies. Uh, even though apparently this was public or he went public with it. Uh, the first two were twin girls uh, and a second woman had a genetically engineered fetus. Obviously, people were upset because we've seen science fiction movies before and we know where this is leading. Uh but uh i mean you know they, they there are a number of things that they were trying to address in here so i guess they used like fake permissions to recruit couples uh people who were living with hiv hoping to help them conceive children oh. that were genetically engineered to receive a mutation so that they had an Im- immunity to some forms of the disease or that was the that was what they were operating under um oh. So I mean I, I guess in some ways it's encouraging, right, that uh people are trying to stop <laughs> stop this and not think this this is like the next uh frontier of progress. But um I have just future always
2: X-Men, people future, future X-Men, in the making, we have Wolverine yeah. walking around soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys.
0: No, I mean, I was just going to say that ever since they, you know, cloned that sheep all those years ago, I thought, like, all right, well, now that this is possible, you have to assume somewhere in the world somebody has cloned humans, is cloning humans, and that's not paranoid, right? Am I I crazy to think that people are – that genetic modification and cloning is, like, going on already and it's just not public?
1: Yeah, I mean, do people, like – few things to prevent, like, you know, if you know that your baby is going to have a certain disease, isn't there like stem cell research or things like that that could kind of prevent that?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a gray area. There is like a lot of medical information and there's a lot of work that people are doing and, and you think about it, the motivations yeah. for it, and they're good, right? Like you don't want children, you want to eradicate diseases, right? Everybody right. talks about eradicating diseases. Um,
1: yeah. There's a fine line between, you know, doing that and then playing God.
0: Yeah. Although I guess, I mean, we've been playing God for a long time. So, you know, like I,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: you have to like
1: decide where the line is. Yeah. Um, and I have really, you know, I'm not religious. I have no objections to that. I feel like, you know, I'm all for the, the medical advancements. And, you know, I know a lot of people that, that you know, grew up with certain illnesses. You know, they say, oh, that's made them a stronger person. But I think it's hard for a parent to, you know, know that they, they have that choice in their hands and, and not make that decision to to. Make their child's life easier by not having them go through life with a certain condition.
0: Yeah. Well, it also, I mean, I guess some of the ethical questions that arise are like, who has access to this technology? Presumably, it's very expensive, right? So there will be, at least I would anticipate, pretty serious consequences where you have a whole class of people who can afford this who have like healthy happy super babies um, and then people who can't access that technology kind of still dealing with the same trials and triumphs um, that we've always dealt with.
2: Well, with, uh, with a uh, world war three coming up, we're going to, we can create like those really advanced soldier people now. <laughs> yes.
0: Clone babies. I mean, I've been saying this ever since. Oh, Star Wars reference. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, I mean, when I saw those, you know, that that trilogy, I was like, well, okay. so if they're cloning humans to fight wars, I was like, well, that sounds okay. That means that we'll have less people getting drafted and we can just clone people. It would just be have clone armies. And I I figured we'd have it by now. And instead, we have memes about World War Three. Um, if only we had been ahead of the curve in making a clone army, we wouldn't have a whole uh, group of <laughs> Gen Z people freaking out because they think they're going to get sent to Iran, which is a whole other episode. <laughs> so
2: we have food and we have war. OK, so what which, which, which you want to do first?
0: <laughs> well, cloning, clone wars, World War Three memes. I guess we can all like put it into a war episode. Food and war. Food and war is what's coming up, folks. I'm open for it. Um Okay, well, man, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for writing this piece. I learned a lot from reading it. I learned a lot from having you on the show. Hopefully, we can have you on for future shows.
1: Yeah, uh, yes, it was if, my if pleasure.
0: If you're interested in coming on to talk about food or World War III, you're welcome for that to the, for that conversation
2: <laughs> too. Um,
1: that will be that will be Ming's decision. All right, <laughs> we'll consult Eming. What the um,
2: hell? I had what to all, beg you to come
0: on. You're the producer of the show.
2: You we didn't I, beg. I sort of begged. I, I, like, you I said begged.
0: please. You said please. I guess that I said that,
2: please that several times. Yeah. Please? It was more like whining. Please. Please.
0: That, that's a form <laughs> of begging, I think.
2: Please? I begged. Yeah.
0: Well, whatever you did, I'm glad you did it because it got men on the show. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Yeah, this is
1: good. This is reminiscent of the old Yo meetings.
0: Well, yeah, that was the design. Is we wanted to have an editorial meeting where story ideas would emerge, and also we would pursue bizarre tangents that weren't relevant to what we were supposed to be talking about, (laughs) like P.D. Holders.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. i gotta start somewhere
0: <laughs> uh and a big thanks to you and ming for sending these stories our way and for getting men on the show and being always being our fearless producer and leader uh, and thanks as always to our listeners until next time quest on everybody
2: this episode of quest on media's margin call was produced in richmond california